Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. What up, everybody? Hey now. Uh, Coming up in this episode of After 9, our After 9 sponsor, Tony Johal, the realtor, is going to call in. It is so hard to buy a home right now, Kat. Like, so fucking hard. I'll tell you, I'm uh, in the process of shopping, and I have found four houses that I thought were great for me. And the market is so fucked up right now. That every one of those offers, not only did I get outbid, I wasn't even in the conversation. We're talking houses where they're asking a certain amount and then they go for at least every one of the four that I put an offer in on. Every one of them went at least $200,000 over asking. Wow. Who's got that kind of, how are there that many millionaires mm-hmm. out there that can afford houses like that, that can afford to just suck up the, the payment on a, a $1.1 million mortgage? Don't you find though, it is because most of, most of the people that are coming into the smaller areas, if you will, uh, are coming from, you know, places where their home was already worth, you know, maybe two, three million to begin with. And yes, I mean, Toronto and area, there are places where you're ready to move. You want to make that money. This is still affordable to you, but it's a lot of money to a lot of other people. And maybe that is moving, you know, from Toronto to Kitchener or from Toronto to Burlington or Hamilton, et cetera, et cetera. I, th- I think we're seeing a lot of that still. And aside from that, I mean, I don't know. I, I was just talking to my girlfriend yesterday who wanted to buy a house kind of uh, the good thing is she has one. She has a house in Oakville and, and she likes it, but she wanted to get a bigger house. She just had a baby and she's been looking and looking. Finally, they they both agreed, her and her husband, let's just fix this place up to what we want to do. So they're literally, they'd rather put down 50, 60 grand, probably more on their current house and just make that their forever house because it is that impossible to get into. So they're lucky enough to even be in the market to begin with. And they're still having issues. So I can't imagine not even being in it, trying to get in it. It's tough. One of the things I do want to ask Tony about when he's on is uh, about the chicken and egg scenario. I mean, if you sell your house now, basically anywhere in the greater Toronto, Hamilton, Waterloo region area, you're going to make way, way, way more than you paid for that house. You're going to make a lot of money. But is there really any point in putting that house on the market? Because you've got to then buy something. And things are go- houses are going for 200000 plus mm-hmm. over asking. Mm-hmm. So are you really that much further ahead? And until more people put their houses on the market, it's going to continue to to have skyrocketing prices because there's not enough inventory out there. But, I mean, we're not realtors. We uh, will talk to Tony Johal about that. That is coming up in this episode of After Nine. Uh, Perez was great yesterday. Thank you to everybody who DM'd us about that. My True 10 is his CBD gummies if you want to look for them. There's a whole bunch of things happening here today that I want to cover. Number one, 
We were supposed to get new modeling data today about the pandemic. What's going on with the pandemic in Ontario? The last time we got modeling data, those sons of bitches on that that (laughs) science advisory table with a straight face said, well, by the end of September, we we could be up to 4,000 new cases a day. 4,000. We're at an eighth of that right now. Our new cases are anywhere between 450 and 600 a day. Yeah, yeah. Not 4,000. And they'll say, this is their out, right? This is their fucking out. Oh, well, it's because of the public health measures. Right. Is it? Right. Is it really because of the public health measures or is it because 80% of the population is vaccinated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is that's the game, right? This has always been the game when it comes to that damn modeling data. I like that as much as I like the fucking political polls ahead of an election. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't necessarily trust it, which is unfortunate, by the way, because it is supposed to be fact and data driven or at least, you know, to look at as much data as you can in that moment to predict this stuff. So what do you think is going to happen now? Well, so the update to this story is that the the science and modeling table losers are still going to release their modeling data at 2 p.m. And it was supposed to be that our chief medical officer of health, Dr. Moore, was going to speak as well. Now, Dr. Moore has put his speech off until tomorrow. So, I mean, that could just be a scheduling issue, but I doubt it. He does one news conference a week. I doubt that it's a scheduling conflict. What I tend to think is that this science table is going to put out more doom and gloom and, oh, fuck, don't let up now because, you know, it could get to 8,000 cases a day. Like, just fuck off. It's not. It's not. You know, once in the third wave was the modeling data even close to accurate. The rest of the time, it's been a joke. And unfortunately, policy decisions get made based on that modeling data. And that's how we end up with things like lockdowns. So what I'm hoping is that common sense is going to prevail here, that whatever these guys say today when they release their modeling, and it's probably going to be scary shit, whatever they say, I'm hoping that Dr. Moore is taking the day so that he can come out tomorrow and say, thank you, science table, for your hard work. But with all due respect, we trust the science. And the science tells us that the vaccines are safe. We're at 80% vaccinated. That's 10% better than what we initially said we wanted. We're getting higher every day because the vax passports are coercing a lot more people into getting their shots. So with that number still climbing, there's no need right now to to continue going down the path we're going. And it's funny because... Maybe some people forgot what things used to be like, but what's going on right now is not normal. It's not. I mean, the Vax passports aside, there's still uh, 15,000 people per Jays game that can't get in. They want to be there. They can't go because of capacity restrictions. Restaurants are still dealing with capacity issues. There's limits everywhere. You're wearing masks everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. And people are asking, okay, well, if they said 4,000 a day by the end of September and we're averaging around 520, isn't that an indication that things are going as we had hoped they would and that now we can talk about even further loosening of restrictions? And I'm not advocating to go hog wild necessarily. I still think there's some common sense things that we can do. But we have to acknowledge where we are. 
500 cases a day with school in? This is a fucking dream. This is great. I hope that when they put this modeling data out, they consider where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And right now, we're in a pretty good spot, all things considered. You know, and I'm always afraid, you know, to say anything about it. But, I mean, we're off to an all right start here. And we're talking about, and I'm talking specifically about schools. I think that was, for a lot of people, a fear, right? We hit September, and then it all goes to shit. But I haven't really necessarily seen that. We've seen the odd case, and of course that's happened. Odd cohort that had to pause on, you know, schooling for a couple weeks. This is a way that I wanted it to go so far, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot more optimistic than I was a month ago. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I, even I, and, and I know better, but when they put out that modeling that, oh, this is what September's going to look like, I didn't know about schools. Schools for me were the X factor. And I watched Dr. Eileen Davila yesterday in Toronto do her fucking stupid slow-talking news conferences that she does and she's still as condescending as she ever was. And and she's out there again, towing the same line that Stephen Lecce, the education minister, went with. And Dr. David Williams went with. Remember all last fall when they were like, COVID doesn't spread in schools. It doesn't spread in schools. No, no, it doesn't. You guys are fucking crazy. It doesn't. It comes from the community. And then they go to school. But it doesn't actually spread from one kid to another in the schools. Well, they really had to fucking backtrack on that, didn't they? They really stopped towing that line when we ended up with schools closed from April until September. I think people are smart enough to see through the fact that it just doesn't make sense. If COVID spreads from close contact, not wearing masks, etc., then that's exactly what a school is. It's close contact. And there's a lot of times in school when they're not wearing masks. So it just makes sense. That there has to be some spread in the schools. To say that that's a crazy notion is irresponsible. So far, there's been cases in schools, but it isn't nearly as bad as it could have been. Maybe this new HVAC shit that they put in is actually working. Or maybe there's not as many cases out there as we thought. Maybe the variant doesn't spread as easily amongst kids as we were led to believe. Yeah, Uh, Maybe the vaccinations are working. It could be anything. I know it's still early, but uh, ish. But like I said, I just feel optimistic based on all of this and and all those points that you made. Absolutely. The the HEPA filters, as loud as those fuckers are in some classrooms. I know some teachers are like, okay, that's loud, but maybe that is one of the things working. So that you know what i'm i'm good with it i'm i'm feeling optimistic i'm gonna stick with what i said where i'm okay with restrictions as they are i'm glad that they opened things up a little bit more and allowed for bigger in-person events if that's at your comfort level not everyone's forced to attend them i'm not going to that's me so i'm glad that at least those options are starting to be available because the numbers are showing that i think that we um well i hate to say we deserve it because i know we have to continue to look at the numbers but we fucking do deserve it we do deserve it yeah i mean there's people in the restaurant and hospitality industry that are working like 50 hours a week right now. They're working two jobs because they keep getting told, well, we could shut down again at any time. We could shut down. Oh, could be 4,000 cases a day. And they're working their asses off right now trying to stockpile money just in case we do have to shut down again. Why don't we just look at where we are and say it's highly unlikely we're shutting down again? Not with 80% of the population fully vaccinated, Mm -hmm. you know, like let's look at where we are and and use some common sense here. Uh, Speaking of common sense, one thing that we've learned about governments handing out money is that it doesn't always go as efficiently as it should. And this was announced yesterday. Ontario's tourism sector 
is having $100 million made available to it by the Ford government to recover from the impact of COVID. Tourism Minister Lisa McLeod says the money will be distributed through the new Tourism Recovery Program. She says that will help for-profit tourism businesses in the attraction, accommodation, and leisure travel sectors. The money will help those businesses protect critical jobs and help them prepare to reopen to visitors. Hmm. Um, Governments handing out money never goes well. (laughs) Governments just handing out money arbitrarily to businesses that say they need help doesn't go well. I mean, the possibility for fraud has got to be at 100 here. 100% possibility of fraud. And frankly, I don't know who's watching it. You know, it's a big number to put out there. $100 million. Okay, but where's this $100 million going? Are, are we giving $100 million to the fucking ROM? The CN Tower? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be busy regardless. They always have been. They always will be. Those things? Sorry. But I don't know that they necessarily need the help as much as an independent hotel or some of the other places that could take that hundred million dollars. Why don't you give it to the small businesses that got fucked and weren't eligible for any of the supports that the government made available? See, and that's a better maybe example of like the smaller businesses that really got screwed. But I will say those places also got screwed and they're not cheap to run. We're talking about massive places like your, I don't know, Ripley's Aquarium. How much do you think it costs per day to keep that place running? And there was no humans inside of it. Nobody touring it. And they had to continue to keep that up. Like, it's expensive. So I'm okay with a lot of those places because what we want to continue to do is generate revenue for the cities, for the for the places, right? But we want tourism back again. That's what we'll also, if you think about it, it's a domino effect because if people are more likely to go because that place was maybe not even necessarily saved by those dollars, but let's say they helped them promote these new initiatives at this place, which got people traveling there and going there. That does help out those local restaurants. That does mm-hmm. help out those local hotels. It is a domino effect. And as long as those places are doing well and they continue to get people in the doors, then that does good for everybody around them. I totally agree with you, Kat. I really do. I hope that this money goes to where it's needed and where it is, uh, where it should, by all rights, go. I'm just worried that we're funneling all this money into big business and they don't need the help nearly as much as little business does. They, they really don't. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about before we get to Tony Joe Hall, and I think he's going to be on in just a few minutes. Yeah, he should call any minute. Yep. Beyond Meat has announced they're getting into the plant-based chicken market. Beyond announced yesterday that their new chicken tenders will be made from ground-up fava beans, and they'll be in stores next week. Mm. Sorry, I just, when you say fava beans, I think of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. It really throws me off. Of all the beans, fava's probably my least favorite. But anyway. So when you eat them, you're like... Yeah. <laughs> can't get that movie out of my no, head. No, it's done now. But okay, hey, that's, um, I think that's good news. I mean, you, nobody can complain about that. Nobody can look at that and be like, fuck that. Then don't eat it, you know? The more options, the better. They're one of the apparently better companies in the game. Although I will say that I know people who are, um, many people who are vegetarian, pescatarian, and vegan who say it's a lot of meh, that company. They actually pass on that and rather go to um, some of their competitors. So I like that it's getting, it's a very competitive marketplace, Scott. 
I just think we need to drop the word chicken from that and come up with another word. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we have chicken because the animal that chicken comes from is a chicken. Mm-hmm. And it runs around and it pecks and does all that shit. And then we chop off its head and cut it up. And boom, here's your chicken breasts, your thighs, your right. legs, wings, whatever. But this beyond shit from the fava beans doesn't have wings or legs or a head or, or thighs. They're just going to shape it into that. So it's not really chicken. If it was chicken, it would have been in a field somewhere or in a a, a hen house. So what would we call it? Mm. And that's an open-ended question. There should be another name for it. It's kind of yeah, like when they have okay. um, like cashew milk and shit like that. Yes, it goes right along with it. I feel like we need to hit the reset button. And I don't know who needs to lead the charge here if it's a group of individuals um, I, I, I'm not going to say PETA, but I'm just saying of, of like-minded, uh, ways to come up with new names for some of these products. And I'm all, like I said, I'm all for it. Hey, if you want to go plant-based, look how many options you have now. I think that's incredible to have those options, to have that competition, but we do have to find other names, don't we? What do you call it? If you don't call it almond milk, can we call it something else? I mean, some people would say juice, but then that makes it seem very sugary and not good for you. And that's not necessarily the case either. Almond drink? Almond drink. It's very bland, though. I mean, it's, it doesn't Almond-aid? have a... It doesn't... It's not sexy. You know, no. we almost have to come up with something sexy. And and similar goes for the Beyond Meat burgers. I mean, do we call them burgers? It's always been known as a veggie burger, for example, the plant-based burger. I don't even think that necessarily burger means meat. Don't get me wrong. A hamburger is, but we all associate it with meat, burger, meat. So we need to come up with something different, something good, though. Something, something, like I said, something sexy that makes you want to buy it. I feel like the answer is in another language somewhere. We, <laughs> yes. we, we should just start skimming through yes. other other That's languages, it. dictionaries, you know and what? come up with a word for it. Podcast listeners that are bilingual, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you speak Portuguese, if you speak French, if you speak Spanish or Italian. Come up with this, some sexy options for us, and we'll try our best. To push that out there into the world. Uh, but either way, like I said, I mean, I don't know how often you go to that section of the grocery store. Or do you ever find yourself in that section of the grocery store, um, the vegan, vegetarian options? I try harder to remember to go to that section, yeah, but yeah. it's not on one of my stops. There's certain aisles that I just skip right over. I oh. skip over the baking aisle. The fuck do I need in the baking <laughs> aisle? So I don't right. even go there. I don't eat cereal, so I don't go down the cereal aisle. Okay, okay. Things like that. Sure. I never really think to go down the frozen food section because I usually buy fresh. But, I mean, I would like to be a little healthier. Right, so, yeah, right. I try and go down there more often. I, I just think that we need to come up with a better word for yeah. it so that you know. I agree. Is it a hamburger or is it a plant-based burger? Yeah, and is do we even say Is it a chicken strip or is it a fava bean ground up strip? Is it almond drink or is it almond milk? I don't think it's a milk thing. I think that needs to go. And I know well, dairy sure farmers. Well, not milk. No, Nobody no. milked an almond. Nobody no. milked it. There are no tits on an almond. Like, that is a cold, hard fact. I like, uh, but I will tell you, as someone who does venture through that that section, every now and again, I'll take a gander it is escalating quickly. Like, I mean, the options are really endless. Everyone's got plant-based something. So I think that that's good for those who decide to to change up their diet or maybe it's less of a choice and more of a, I got to do this for my health, whatever it is. That's great. But let's come up with some new words. Feel free to inbox us here. Uh, Instagram, 
Scott Fox on air or Cat on air, Cat with the K. I want to hear some shit. I want to hear some good stuff. Let's rename it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, oh, Tony's calling. Oh, good. Oh, how morning, Tony. How the heck are you? I'm good, and how are you guys? Great, well. thank you. Well, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm doing okay, but I'm also not looking to buy a house right now, whereas Scott has a bit of a different perspective on how it's going. <laughs> it, it seems like the real estate market has just gone out of the stratosphere lately. I mean, houses are selling not just for ten, twenty, or even $30,000 over the asking price. They're going for like, a hundred or two hundred thousand over the asking price. Is this really just because there's not enough houses on the market? Uh, short answer is yes. Uh, quite simply, when there's just not enough homes on the market, then it just puts incredible pressure on the existing inventory. So I think you know we're finding this not just here in the region. We are finding this across all parts of the GTA and probably most of the province. I think the entire province mm-hmm. is overheated. And you mentioned the GTA, and here's a question I have because I'm seeing these prices up and up and up and and so many people bidding hundreds of thousands of dollars over. Are we going to get to a point where we're pretty much uh, the new old prices of the GTA here in Waterloo Region? I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you see happening in the next even five years here in the region? Well, I think certainly the prices, we are very, very comparable now with the GTA. Uh, you know, five years ago, when you looked at this area, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars was deemed luxury real estate. Now it's just entry level real estate in many cases. So, you know, as far it's it's just you know one of these things that we're we're now adapting to. When fifty percent of all of the people coming into this area are coming from the GTA, then I think we this is the new norm. There's a lot of new norms we have to adapt to, and I think. This is going to be one of them. We have to consider ourselves part of the GTA now. Mm, well, wow. I, I, and I think we should be as well. I mean, it should be the GTHKA uh, and include Kitchener in that as well. It's a big alphabet soup now is what it is. Basically. <laughs> but, Tony, I'm wondering, during the federal election campaign, no matter what the leaders wanted to talk about, one of the things that kept coming up in the polls was the affordability of housing, and they all had different plans to try and cool things. Well, Justin Trudeau won. One of the things that Justin said he was going to do was end blind bidding. And I imagine that that would have a pretty substantial impact on people who are selling their home. Yes, uh, there's no question. Blind bidding has been at the forefront of, you know, adapting to change for probably the last couple of years. And I think making it one of the election points as certainly, it's, it's definitely, again, bringing it to, to light. But the one thing we have to consider is this. How much do we want the government to be involved with the actual buying and selling of real estate? Because it's a slippery slope. Because at that point, when can they not get involved? And when can they basically leave the free market to be the free market? 
I, I think you'll find most agents and most people in general are going to be all for transparency. And transparency in the process is a wonderful thing. And I think every buyer should be entitled to uh, certainly the, the going through the process of the, the understanding what where their offer stands against other people. Mm-hmm. But then that buyer, when they go to sell their home, uh, quite often the shoe is on the other foot. And at that point, they want the blind bidding. Uh, I don't know how, how how well it's going to go. If anybody's ever been to an auction, a, a live auction, it can really get overheated and emotional there too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to expect with that, to be honest. Well, it, it used to be, Tony, I'm sorry if I may, it used to be that, you know, I wanted to sell my house. There's certain things that I got to do to my house to make it sell, right? So I'd think in my head, okay, I better do those kitchen. We always hear, right? Kitchen and bathroom. Do those renovations. Are people flushing money away if they bother doing them right now with the amount of, I mean, the market's so hot. Are they, do you still encourage people to do those renovations before they put their house up for sale? Or is that kind of a waste right now? Well, I certainly recommend uh, putting upgrades into certain parts of the home. And buyers will pay a premium price for certain upgrades, like kitchens and bathrooms and so on even in a very hot market because there, there's a lot of buyers that don't want to get into work when they buy a house. They just want everything ready to go for them. So, you know, for, I would say definitely the big things that I tell people to focus on is not really costly. I would say the biggest things are going to be declutter your home, take away the items in the house that you don't need or things that, you know, you can donate, sell, you know, take away those items. The other thing that I would recommend is depersonalize. This is no longer going to be your home. Take down the wedding pictures, the graduation pictures, put up some neutral art where the buyer can see themselves in that home. And last but not least, a fresh coat of paint goes a long way. It just freshens up the home, brightens up the home, and it's just one last thing for the buyer to, to really do. And those three items there, they're not costly. Uh, they're just, it's a lot of sweat equity that you're putting into your home that inevitably that you will benefit from. Mm-hmm. But kitchens and bathrooms and flooring are certainly going to be your big ones if you're looking to invest and get a return on that investment. It seems like we're at a bit of a stalemate here because there are people who own homes who know that if they sell, they can cash out big time and, and make some huge money on the house they're selling. But then they too need to become a buyer. And until more sellers hit the market, the buying market is going to continue being crazy. So it's almost like a chicken and an egg scenario. If you owned a home right now and and you paid, I don't know, 200,000 for it 10, 15 years ago, now you find out it's worth 800,000. Where can you go after you sell that place for 800,000? Because it seems like it's going to be a lateral move with the prices of other homes to move into. Unless you're downgrading, right? That's a good point. You're right. And that is the big catch 22 right now. A lot of, you know, even uh, last month, for example, the stats came out. We had 22% less activity than this time last year. And we had 12% less activity than July itself. And a lot of that has to do with just uh, people who are homeowners right now, not bringing their house to market right now, because their biggest fear is where do I go next? And the people that are really benefiting this in this market are the people who are selling here in town in Kitchener-Waterloo, for example, and they're moving really far up north where the prices are substantially less than what you're finding here in the region. Those areas there are even overheated. But at the same time, 
you know, your, your real estate there is considerably cheaper. And we've got a lot of clients this year that have sold here and they've moved to the U.S. because they now have the ability to work from anywhere. So, you know, I think people are just being a bit more strategic about where they want to be next. And they are cashing out, calling it early retirement, moving to Florida, moving anywhere. But Mm -hmm. uh, certainly that is a big concern right now for many people who own a home right now. Where do I go next? Okay. Uh, By the way, it is very cheap to move to the States. If you want to do that in reverse, you can get some great deals on houses down there. Uh, A question that I'm yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, I have two more questions. One of them is a text question from Chantel. Does Tony see a foreseeable crash in the market? Million dollar detached homes are crazy. Yes. You know, I'm sorry. The answer to that is no. Uh, I don't foresee a uh, crash coming. I do foresee a bit of a slowdown coming next year because the banks have already announced that they will be increasing the interest rates in 2022 at some Mm. point. So when you increase the interest rates, it does up people's monthly payment, which for many people will put them out of the market, and it does make it harder and more difficult for people to qualify for a mortgage. So are we going to get those incredible gains uh, that we saw earlier this year? Probably not, but I do foresee continuous upward momentum, but certainly not to that 20, 30% year-over-year margin. I do not foresee a crash coming, Uh, as long as buyers continue to keep entering this market. Okay. And the last question that I want to ask you is, where is affordable now? Where are the deals? And I'm asking that because there are people listening right now. Maybe they're living with their parents and thinking, yeah, I mean, it's almost that age where I should buy a house. But I mean, it takes, what, 100,000, 200,000 down. And then I'm going to have a huge mortgage. Where can people still go and get those good deals? Is it Elmira? Is it Fergus? Is it Stratford? How far outside of the GTHKA do you have to go? I would definitely say that uh, there's no question. It's very, very tough for first-time homebuyers. A lot of first-time homebuyers, believe it or not, are still finding homes here in Kitchener and Waterloo. But for the majority of them, they are having to look outside. Uh, I would say Elmira, Fergus, and things like that are not far enough. The advice that I give people is this. Keep driving, and when it becomes a pain, that's probably where you'll want to kind of put your marker right there. People are going 45 to 50 minutes outside of town, especially going west uh, towards, you know, just outside of Woodstock. Even Woodstock right now for many months was the place to go to for affordable housing but woodstock has also become very overheated so now you have to continue going west on the uh, 401 until you can get a bit more reasonable pricing but people many people are commuting 45 to 50 minutes uh to get into uh kitchener waterloo just like many people in the yeah a lot of people in the gta are commuting 50 minutes from kw Mm -hmm. to mississauga wow Okay, Tony, thank you for your time. As always, we appreciate you. How does somebody get a hold of you if they want to figure out if this is the right time to sell? You know what? Check out TonyJoeHall.com or uh, you know any of our social media, Tony Joe Hall Real Estate Team on Facebook or Tony Joe Hall Real Estate Team on Instagram. You're Good fantastic. Info. Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Uh, one more thing I do want to cover before we wrap it up, and I know we're going to touch long here, but uh, some Halloween numbers are out, and Sunday marks one month until Halloween. Ooh. 74% plan to do something for Halloween this year, even though it's on a Sunday. 41% are going to hand out candy. 
Okay. 41% seem a little low to you? Like, it seems to be well, that that number has been dropping recently. Well, is that a COVID thing? I mean, I obviously last year was not the same. I still chose to go trick-or-treating with um, my kids and my niece and nephew. Last year, I would say pff, half the houses, maybe less. I'd say about 40% actually is bang on with how many people were handing out candy. I, I would assume this year there'd be more because the vaccines are in arms now. I would have thought it would be a little higher than that. Maybe that's what we should hand out, vaccines. We've got a <laughs> lot of them. Yeah. Millions of them in Canadian freezers just waiting for somebody to say, I want a shot. 34% are going to dress up this year. 34% okay. seems again like a low number. Another 34% are going to decorate their home. Okay. All right. One in four plan to go to at least one Halloween party. That includes in-person and virtual events. Okay. I mean, a virtual Halloween party, unless you're a young kid, I don't see that being at all appealing. That's still Uh, not good for anybody. No. I'd imagine this year it's going to be Saturday the 30th, right? That's going to be Halloween mayhem. If you're out till last call, then boom, it's technically Halloween while you're still out and in your costume. Yep. Yeah, the 30th is going to be nuts. Well, the clubs will be busy again for a change. (laughs) I'm just, you know what? I don't mind it being on a Sunday this year just because I I have day plans. I have day plans and I love that. I mean, I'll still take my kid trick-or-treating for a bit, I guess. Like, I'm not really excited about that. I've never liked that part. I'm not a big fan of Halloween generally, uh, but I get excited for the kids. I'm in it for the kids. But during the day, I have an event and I love that. I can hang out all day, no problem, but then I get to go home and that makes me happy. Costumes related to movies, TV, and pop culture will be big again this year. 28% of people say their costume falls into the pop culture category. Paranormal things like ghosts, zombies, and witches. One in four will dress up that way. The more unique, one-of-a-kind costumes, 24%. Hmm. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if there's really that many one-of-a-kind costumes. Yeah. Every now and again, you see something and you think, yeah. wow, they really put a lot of effort into that. Yes. But I, we might be out of ideas. And, and you're welcome to prove me wrong this, this Halloween, guys. So far, though, it, I think we're kind of out of ideas. I, I've always wanted to be that person, though, that did have a good idea, that thought, you know what, I'll be a this. And then it blows people's minds. And you dress like it and you show up at a party and someone goes, Oh, I get it. Hey, guys, get over here. She's a, uh, you know, you've been to a party with those people. Like, I have a friend like that who just goes all out. Like, when John and Kate Plus 8 was in, she dressed up as Kate, okay, with the bob and everything. And then she had these babies, like, attached to her, her body. <laughs> and, like, there's so much effort. I, I'm just not the type of person to put that much effort into it. But when you do come up with a good idea, if you can actually commit and you can actually do it, I think it's Right, but I'm I'm always just going to end up being that person the day before that decides what to be and checks the clearance area because you know that they always go on sale on Halloween. So that'll be me. <laughs> One of the best that I've ever seen. Um, the guy was basically completely naked other than he had on like a, a tank top or something like that. Right. But he was basically naked and he had a pair around his dick. Like he drilled through a pair or cut out the center of the pair And he put his dick in a pair so that when people went up to him and said, what are you dressed as? He could say, I am in despair. I am in despair. (sighs) 
Wow. And I like that creativity. That's, ex- I mean, you're very exposed, but it's, uh, I like a good pun. Hey, I like a good I pun. Am in despair. <laughs> yeah. That was a dad, right? A dad did that, of course. No, and he's not even smart. Like, he's, he's fucking <laughs> dumb, this guy. I'm amazed he came up with that. He must have stolen that idea. That with, probably wasn't original was either. That, was that how big, uh, do you have a small dick? I mean, I could fit it all in a pair. You know, I don't even know if it was a real pair okay, or if he like bought right. one at Costume City or something like all that. Right. I wasn't going to get that close to his dick. I mean, I usually am not near <laughs> naked men that often. Far less than you might think. Far less. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, quickly, if you have some time, skip on over to scottandcat.ca. Cat has posted the trailer for Will Smith traveling to the ends of the earth. It's a new Disney Plus documentary series. Listen, when Disney and Will Smith team up, that's going to be visually stunning. Yeah. And you know what they call it? My favorite part, because I'm a huge fan of Will Smith and Independence Day is one of my favorite movies still to this day, is this documentary series is called Welcome to Earth. And if you've seen Independence Day, you know how amazing that is. Okay. Uh, Also trending on our website, people are paying big money for Pokemon, Oreos, R. Kelly, just the biggest piece of shit walking God's green earth. Yes. Finally guilty, though, uh, and and Kat's got a really great article on this, broken down. It's nicely done. R. Kelly found guilty in a sex trafficking trial. What's shocking is, and this is a a black mark on all of us, is he got away with it as long as he did. Mm -hmm. He was found guilty on September 28th, 2021, when we all knew, going back to when he married Aaliyah, when Aaliyah was underage, that this guy, there's something up there. Mm Mm-hmm. And he managed to go on and become a huge star or remain a huge star all these years, made millions upon millions of dollars when on some level we all knew he was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. So that story is there. Uh, I've got a great one about uh, a new Leger poll. One in 10 Canadians are happy with the outcome of last week's federal election. That means 90% are not thrilled. By the way, just when it comes to that, I'm one of those people. I'm not happy just generally, though. Like, I wouldn't have been happy no matter what the outcome was because our options were so shit. Does that count? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would fall into the general dissatisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And the last story I'll tell you about that's trending on scottandcat.ca today is uh, a breakdown from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, who's worked it out, $3.3 million that we taxpayers have to pay out to the 51 MPs who did not win re-election, and even the ones who stepped down. Wow. Why do you get severance if you quit? I don't understand how the government works like that when the private sector, in a lot of cases, is very different. So you ran, served three years, sorry, served less than two years of a four-year term, and you get a $93,000 severance check? Yeah. That's what the severance is for these fuckers. And, and $93,000. And that's not donated money. You're telling me, and I'll admit, I plead, I plead complete ignorance to this. I did not know that, that what you're telling us. Secondly, I would have assumed this was donation money that they would use. That is not true? No, this is wow. like taxpayer money. This Great. is like part of their payroll. Fuck. That's fuck. Even the ones that quit. Yeah. Wow. $93,000. Oh, unless though. If they've served six years and they're 55 or older, a 
full 100% benefits included pension for the rest of their lives to serve six years in Ottawa. Hmm. Unbelievable. Wow. All right, kids, we got to go. Have yourselves a great Tuesday. I'm golfing today with Dave, so we'll probably have some good stories tomorrow. Uh, And we'll catch you right back here tomorrow for another episode of After 9. The CEO of Pfizer said that he believes that life will return to normal within a year. That's right. That's right. By this time next year, Americans can go back to normal activities like storming Area 51 and eating Tide Pods. R. Kelly was uh, found guilty on eight counts. That could mean he will spend the rest of his life behind bars, which is tough. He already spent so much of it trapped in that closet, and now... Producers of the Netflix series Tiger King announced last week that the show will return later this year for a second season. Well, that can't be good, said Carol Baskin's current husband. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it.